2: Got three questions from SH. She says, does egg quality have to do with anything? What impact does that quality have? That's my interpretation. You know,
1: egg quality is, an, is predominantly an age-related thing. So even though you may have be someone with a, a low ovarian reserve at 30, the eggs that come out at that point uh, are of a similar quality to those women who all women who are 30. So it's unusual to have Poor egg quality at a younger age. The biggest factor in egg quality is age. I mean, maybe you know, there there is some evidence that obesity, cigarette smoking, have an impact on egg quality. Certainly, we get lower pregnancy rates when women are chronic smokers or very overweight. And then you. Then the next question was: Is azoospermia reversible? Well, it depends what the cause is. Of all men with azoospermia, probably only ten percent. Can be reversed in terms of producing sperm that, that can produce a natural pregnancy. Probably in about forty percent, we can surgically micro dissect this, the testicle and actually find a few sperm to create a pregnancy, even though the ejaculate is um, it shows azoospermia. But the majority of azoospermia cases are are irreversible. And the last question was about egg quality.
2: Does the egg quality affect the response to IVF medication?
1: No, egg quantity does. The number of eggs you have in the is is the most important part in terms of whether fertility medication will help get you your success. Um, as I keep talking about the numbers game, the more eggs you can get, the better. The quality of the eggs doesn't really affect the, the response to the medications that we give you.
2: Next question, what are the options if I decide not to use my stored embryos? There are
1: three options. The first and least common is to donate it to a woman or to, to a couple where they have both a, a male and a female problem that he's got no sperm and where she's not producing eggs uh, so donating the embryo to to that couple is one one uh, approach most people when they think through that particularly if they had been, uh, had been successful having babies with with, those, with previous embryos are concerned that they, that's another child of theirs that they're basically adopting out. So it's quite a challenge to reach the conclusion that that's a good thing to do. I mean, the, the couple who receive it will be eternally grateful, but probably only one or 2% of what we call excess embryos go down that track. The second is there are a number of procedures that are involved in IVF that require train people. You know, imagine that the very delicate process, for instance, of biopsying an embryo taking away 10 cells of the 300 so we can send them off for genetic testing is a highly skilled technique. And the only way you can get the skill is either using animal models, which are not the same, or using embryos that are donated for the purposes of assisting in the training so that those those scientists will be good at it when the next person needs that particular test being done. So that's another possible use. Research on embryos is prohibited in Australia. So it is very rare that we we actually use them for for actual formal research. And the final one, which is probably 96% of embryos, I think we did a survey at one, nearly nearly a decade ago. And 96% of embryos are basically taken out of the the fridge, warmed to room temperature, just put on the bench. And over um, the next few hours, at that temperature and the cells will break down and the embryo's demise will happen. So that, that's are the watch you can do with, with if you've got embryos that you don't want to continue to pay storage for. Uh,
2: another question, Prof. How will I be watched during ovulation induction are uh, ultrasound and blood tests used?
1: It depends on which medication the ovulation induction is. So ovulation induction is where you're not ovulating properly and maybe it's polycystic ovaries, is a classic example of that. And what we're doing is giving you medication to, to, to stimulate ovulation. Mm-hmm. There are two ways, either orally or with injections, to induce ovulation. With the injections, we certainly are worried that your ovary will over-respond to the medication. And so we watch those ones quite closely with ultrasound around day eight or nine with the, and then a blood test to show the, the hormone levels. Because what we don't want is for you to produce three, four, five follicles and five eggs and let you go and uh, have intercourse and produce quads so with those medications the risk of multiple pregnancies is higher but most of the pregnancies that are reported around the world of you know, quads and up to sex have been from ovulation induction without monitoring so we monitor carefully within that scenario in relation to oral medications the two that we use are uh, letrozole or clomiphene they're very safe medications the odds of multiple pregnancy are probably only in the order of with letrozole two or three percent, and with clomiphene around four percent. And so, when we use those medications, most of us don't bother doing any monitoring, other than perhaps trying to find out the day of ovulation with urine urine kits, and to prove that ovulation has occurred, measuring a, a progesterone level on day twenty
2: one. Got a question from Amanda. She says, "I ovulate naturally quite early." sometimes before day seven, but my luteal phase okay at around 12 to 14 days. It's been suggested my body starts a new cycle before the current cycle actually ends. As day three of new cycle, I already sometimes have dominant follicle of 12 millimeters or so. I fall pregnant naturally quite easily, but cannot sustain it. Is this all due to my age being 41? How can I stop ovulating so early into my cycle so eggs can become more mature? I don't respond to Cinaril spray. I haven't tried IVF yet as I do fall naturally quite easily, but I do sometimes use IVF meds and try naturally or IUI. Will IVF be more beneficial to me or stick with natural? I have MTHFR gene, so take extra folate plus I have T-cell imbalance. So clinic has tried immune protocol on me, IUI and when trying naturally. Partner sperm is great on all tests. IVF had 10 chemicals in the last 15 months. Interesting problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a very unusual problem to be regularly ovulating early. Uh, It's interesting that the luteal phase seems to be okay, but I suppose what I would be doing is using, uh, once ovulation has occurred, is to give what we call luteal phase support either through uh, giving injections of of, uh, pregnancy hormone uh, two or three times in that second half of the cycle to promote more progesterone or actually using progesterone pessaries and then continuing those once you have a positive pregnancy test. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu.